Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Mike's on. He's ready to go. On the fan. New York Sports Radio. Mike's on. Mike's on. We come to you on this uh, Friday night, the uh, 19th day of June, after a crazy day uh, in sports. The Belmont Stakes is tomorrow. Uh, no fans, but you can wager on it. And uh, we'll have Brad with us in a second. I'll welcome him in, and then we'll go through all the stake races tomorrow, give you thoughts on those, and then we'll analyze the Belmont for you. A couple things going on today first. Number one, and then let me tell you first that uh, the program, as always, is brought to you by Casamigos Tequila. Casamigos are brought to you by those who drink it. Also, the Belmont Stakes Preview uh, program brought to you by 800 Gambler, free confidential help from for problem gamblers and their loved ones. Winters Brothers Waste Systems, conveniently rent a dumpster online at wintersbrothers.com. Long Island's number one choice for waste removal and by the $300,000 online poker open powered by Party Poker US Network. Now, tomorrow, sporting event in New York, the Belmont Stakes uh, is a full card. It's a good card. There's some very good races on there. The Belmont will be run. It's a very different Belmont. It's now the first leg this year. Also be run at a mile and an eighth, which we'll get to on that track, uh, rather than the classic mile and a half. Uh, There are a variety of reasons, the biggest one being that if you have that and then ask horses to turn back in distance, very difficult to train them that way. You will not get the feel that you would get. And as a matter of fact, they were defections from this field anyway for a variety of reasons, and the field is not as strong as they had hoped. Uh, but you have the big horse there, tis the law, which we will get to and everything else. Uh, today was not a good day for moving sports back to any real place. Number one, forget that the players are trying to push the owners. You knew they would. That, that'll settle itself. But the Phillies, the Blue Jays, the Lightning – all closed their facilities because they had people test positively. Then at the golf, Nick Watney tests positive. So you got a golfer test positive. You had a bunch of Blue Jays test positive. You had a bunch of Phillies test positive. You got somebody from the Lightning test positive, all from the same section of Florida. Um, We have outbreaks everywhere. You have uh, places now that are afraid to open their teams up, even if they 
are thinking of opening their teams up. They're afraid to. You have Apple closing stores now in four states today. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on. And I'm not even getting into the social issues like what's going on with the Confederate flag, the NCAA and SEC banning events in the state of Mississippi and everything else that's going on. So it's a crazy day. But um, what we want to do is since there is a sporting event, and let me get to the golf for a second. You have a very good leaderboard again for tomorrow. There's rain delay right now at the end of round two, but you're going to have Webb Simpson, DeChambeau, Kepka, Dustin Johnson, all very close to the top, so you got a good board for Saturday. Um, and Tiger, it's official, will not be at uh, River Highlands at the TPC next week at the Travelers. Uh, he missed the deadline, so we didn't expect him to be there, but now it's official that he's out, so that's now official. All right, let's get to the um, racing for tomorrow, uh, and we welcome in uh, Brad Thomas. Brad, welcome. How are you? I'm great, Mike. How's it going? Good. I hope everybody's good. All right. Um, Brad, uh, well, well, I'll ask my questions as we go through the day. So let's start with the second race. And what we'll do with the other stakes is just give me uh, what you think will uh, – give me your horse that you think will win and why, and we'll go from there, and then we'll go analyze the whole Belmont. Uh, a very good race, the Woody Stevens, grade one sprint, seven furlongs, uh, draws a select field of five. Your thoughts on the race? A lot of pace in here for a small field, Mike, and two of the three major pace horses have to stretch out the seven furlongs, so I think that hurts no parole and Echo Town. Uh, mischievous Alex is a horse who's really improved with blinkers on. He's more of a seven furlong type. He has the very aggressive Kendra Carmouche, though, on board, and he's a very good breaker. I think this race is going to be pacey, and I think there's a great one quality horse in here in Maru, who is my selection. Uh, he was super mature and super Super sharp and impressive to me last year in two races at Monmouth Park, my home track, which opens July 3rd this year. Uh, Maru was a $300,000 two-year-old purchase, was a physical beast, was a man among boys, winning a five-prolong race and then a six-prolong race at Monmouth Park. Uh, he came back this year at Churchill in a loaded allowance race against Equitown, one of his rivals here. Uh, Maru was not able to quite keep up with that really fast six-prolong pace into the stretch. He got shuffled. He had to extricate himself from traffic. And then after looking really well beaten, he continued on to finish well and began uh, it quickly on Echo Town at the end of that race. I think the seven furlong suits him perfectly. And I think the pace in this race suits him as well. And I'm going to try to get shot with the horse who I love the middle move with blinkers on last time for him. I'm going to try to get him up for second on the cutback with all the pace to its inside. Okay, again, only a field of five. The fourth race and the first race on on the card tomorrow begins at, let me just look for it. I think it's 11.45. It is 11.45. The fourth race is um, the grade two uh, Panin Ridge, which will be for three-year-olds um, on the turf. What's your thoughts? Decorated Invader is a big league horse. He makes his debut on the Belmont turf course, even though he's a Belmont-based horse. He's never run over this course. He's made to order for it. He's one of those monster turf rallyers who can sustain super long runs. He's designed for Belmont Park. Uh, he's very, very good. He will be very hard to beat at a short price. He only has started once, though, this year. Uh, that race at Gulfstream, he was breaking from a poor post position. He had some traffic issues, but he was very much benefited by a, a turf course that's 
strongly, strongly favored closers that day, and by a super strong pace scenario that flattered his late rally. Uh, there's less pace in this race. Uh, he's probably good enough to overcome it, but I'm going to take a shot against him with one of the pace horses, uh, the Nazi, who really moved forward with blinkers on. Uh, both those races, uh, both the wins with blinkers on were on synthetic surfaces. Uh, he's never been on grass, but synthetic is akin to turf, and at the same time, his sire, Verrazano, even though he might be known in this country as a dirt horse, having won the Haskell Invitational at Monmouth Park during his three-year career, he actually was better on turf. He went to Europe as a four-year-old and ran incredibly good races against the top, top tier of European turf competition. Even though I don't believe he won any of them, those races in defeat were better than anything he'd ever done on dirt. And I really like his offspring on turf. I think Vanazzi has upside coming off the break. I like his ability to have a quick first step to seize command, deal with pressure, and then kick away again. He's a speed horse with two moves. I think he can put away proven strategies the other speed. And I think on a firm course going one mile to the right distance for him, he has a chance to hold off decorated invader who ideally would want to, want to run longer. All right, we'll do one more before we take a break. Brad Thomas with us. This is the Belmont Field tomorrow. The stakes leading up to the Belmont Stakes, which will be run uh, in the 5 o'clock hour uh, and will be run at a mile and an eighth, uh, as there will be a sporting event in New York tomorrow. It's the uh, Acorn uh, for three-year-old fillies going a mile uh, at Belmont, and obviously Bob Baffert's horse is the horse to beat. Indeed, uh, the mine is. Uh, Mike, hopefully we can get back to the Wonder again, race six, uh, before we go off these. I really like that race. I do want to. Well, talk uh, about yeah, that. we can go back and. Well, we, you know what? Yeah, we'll go. I, I was going to skip because, it, you know, uh, but we can go back and do it for sure. No problem. Okay, I'll hit, I'll hit it quick because I really like a horse there. But the Acorn is just a tremendous race. It's a breeder's race. These are fillies who are going to go on to be major influences on the breed when they go to the breeding shed. The mine is super well regarded by her connections. Uh, she ran great first out at Santa Anita. Uh, beat a relatively weak deal but did it the right way. Moved forward off relatively short rest, shipping and stretching out while facing better at Oban. She had to deal with a quality pace rival early in that race, Mike, put that one away, and then had enough left to hold off a quality rival who finished second. Uh, Gamine looked beaten in deep stretch in that race and came again to get the victory. The horse who was second to her was more seasoned than her and had a better trip. She came back at Santa Anita and was second, albeit beaten by a lot bigger margin against Swiss Skyjack, a skydiver, the best three-year-old in the division right now. Combined, Shirley has upside. Uh, she has good rest. That race was really a draining after last time out, so I like the fact that she has 49 days between starts. But with only two races with her inexperience, she is now shipping a long distance for the second straight time, really the third straight time, because she went from California to Oakland for the allowance race last time out, went back from Oakland to Santa Anita, and then is now shipping from Santa Anita all the way cross-country to New York. That could be a little bit taxing. Uh, I, I think she's very good. I also think she's a little bit vulnerable because of that, because of her inside draw, which really puts her under the gun. I think the two, Lucretia, has a fine shot to upset her. I like the way she's developed over the winter, stretching out and on dirt in Florida. Uh, she has good rest coming into this race for a very underrated developer. 
Very good trainer. Uh, Delacour is a, everything he puts on the track runs. Absolutely, and he's superb at developing horses for breeders. And this is what Lucretia is. Uh, I think the mile around one turn is actually better for her than two turns, but she was running uh, in, in Florida. The horse who beat her last time out was that aforementioned Swiss skydiver who's the best in the division. Swiss skydiver had been running against serious competition, too, before that race. And that Gulfstream Park, Oak Stafford, was Swiss skydiver's breakout race. But she'd been keeping really good company. Lucretia hadn't been running against that kind. So she got excellent seasoning in that race. I think she can hang with the combine, and I think she has a fine shot to wear it down. She's really been working great, and her pedigree is all about one mile, is all about the acorn on both sides. And as I said earlier, this is a breeder's race. I'm going to try to get Water White involved underneath Mike. I'll even use her some of the exactors. Uh, she is a one-turn mile specialist. Her best figure by far came in a one-turn mile at Belmont Park. The only time she's been over the surface, uh, she is better when she makes one run from well off the pace, not moving early uh, into into the pace of races. I think they learned that last time, and I think she has an excellent chance to get a big piece here. All right, let's. We're talking with Brad Thomas, of course. The Belmont card tomorrow. We're leading up to the Belmont Stakes. Let's go back to the sixth race on the card. The Grade Three Wonder again, one mile on the turf for three-year-old fillies. Go ahead. Sweet Melania, the horse to beat, uh, offer excellent effort, uh, finishing third in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Philly turf last year at Santa Anita broke from an impossible 12-post position, was very hard used, was wide, still hung together really, really well to finish third. Uh, a mile is the right race for her. Fletcher is great fresh. She's probably going to be able to control things on the front end. Uh, I'm just not in love with her finishing kick regardless of the distance, regardless of uh, how hard used she is. She just doesn't run strongly through the wire all the time. Highland Glory for Barkley Tag uh, has a pedigree that's all about Belmont turf on the damn side. This horse will appreciate the more expansive Belmont course uh, relative to what she was running against in Florida. Uh, she'll be hurt, though, by the pace scenario. Uh, she is a, a major factor, however. The horse I like, though, Mike, is selflessly. Uh, this horse might be under-regarded on the toe court because her two-year-old figures don't quite match up with some of these horses that are running at three. But that's something that is not really to be paid attention to because she's going to move forward at age three. Just because she hasn't run those numbers yet doesn't mean she can't. And I think she will, given her pedigree, given her the depth of her performance last year, given her super off a layoff trainer in Chad Brown and her super developer of uh, young horses in Chad Brown. Uh, selflessly was quick enough to almost get up a five-and-a-half at Saratoga. Uh, she was hung wide all the way on the Belmont inner turf uh, in the Miss Grillo, a grade two in which she broke her baton. And that's the trip she's going to need to take today. She's going to be wide. She's going to be pressing slow fractions. Uh, she's going to have to sustain a grinding run. That's how she won her grade two last year. That's the trip she's going to get here. She had no chance in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf last year from the 13th post, even worse than Sweet Melania. And she had to sit mid-pack behind the control pace in that race while hung wide. Absolutely no chance. She's better than that. This course and this race profile suits her. All right. We're going to get to the Belmont when we come back. We're talking with Brad Thomas. Uh, Belmont Stakes tomorrow. Uh, no fans, but you can ra- uh, wager on the uh, card. They will have the uh, Belmont Stakes tomorrow. It's a very different year, obviously. It's a very different Belmont. We'll get to that when we come back. 
add to the list the Clemson Tigers, who every year in football have one of the top three programs in America, 23 players test positive. 23 uh, on their immediate football team. 28 if you count their uh, staff, but 23 players test positive. Now, a lot of these players may be asymptomatic, but that doesn't mean anything. I mean, think about it. We haven't even had the tip of the iceberg bringing these sports back yet, and look how much there's already been. So, I mean, this is going to be wild as, as it starts, but we'll just have to see how it, uh, where it takes us day after day. Tomorrow, uh, the Belmont Stakes at Belmont Park, no fans. Um, owners not allowed in. So the owners will be watching on TV from uh, around the country. That includes the Sacatoga Stego, who you might remember. group of guys basically threw in a little money, not a lot of money, into a pot and allowed their trainer, Barkley Ted, go out and pick a couple of horses every year, maybe two, maybe two New York breads every year. They, got, they hit on a big horse years ago, funny side. He won the first two legs of the Triple Crown. He lost in the Belmont on a, a wet track. They thought maybe the uh, track was the wet was the difference. Who knows? Because they lost to a really good horse, an Empire Maker. He was a legit horse. Um, he didn't win the Triple Crown. Now they get their Belmont, they hope, with Tis the Law, as they got a second horse, buying only a few horses every year. This group has bought horses every year. They have some of the same people from the beginning and other people who have joined them, but they don't spend a ton of money. And now in a lifetime, they've hit two big horses, which is really unusual and also is a very uh, – it signals how good uh, Barkley Tag is at picking horses. Uh, he likes first-year sires. He went with uh, first-year sires both times. This time he went with Constitution, uh, where you get Tis the Law from Constitution uh, uh, and – a Tisnow mayor called uh, Tisfiz, so they get Tis the Law. He's the heavy favorite. But first, for Brad, I have a couple of questions, Brad. Let's touch on how f- crazy their schedules have been thrown off in the Triple Crown, and if that matters. And number two, the mile and eighth dif- di- distance at Belmont Park. I think uh, being thrown off schedule definitely does matter. Uh, these horses were pointing for the Derby in early May for a long period of time. Trainers literally in November, of course, two-year-old year, are counting back from the Derby on the calendar uh, where these horses are going to race and where, when they're going to work. So you take that out of the equation and you just throw up a date for the Belmont Stakes at a mile and an eighth, uh, eight weeks or whatever it is after the Derby was scheduled to be run, seven weeks, I believe. Uh, it, 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 messes, it does mess things up. And remember, too, that training horses these days is less about art like it used to be and more about mathematics. Uh, trainers really care about time between starts, getting yep. the exact right amount, time, amount of time uh, for a lot of reasons, uh, some of the medication-related, some of the, uh, this modern notion we have that these horses aren't as tough and as durable as they used to be. Uh, the modern owners in the equation, uh, people who are not necessarily from families and generations of breeders, people who are dot-com, uh, dot-com rich, they've recently come into scores, uh, they want the here and now. And they think when the horses run, they want 110% performance every single time. Uh, in the old days, People knew that you couldn't get 110% performance every time running horses every two or three weeks. Sometimes you were 85, sometimes you were 90, sometimes you would peak, but that was the art of it. And you would, you would, 
be willing to lose, but be noble in losing, because that's what proves whether you were a good horse, uh, sometimes more so than winning. Just look at Seattle Slough in the Jockey Club Gold Cup uh, in his uh, signature career performance. So a lot of things have changed this perspective, and uh, it's made it, I think, tougher for these modern trainers who have their formulas to adjust on the fly. And I think Edge there, the Barkley tag in this year's Belmont, because he's all old school. Okay, now the and and he's very confident, which you never see him be boastful. This week, he actually said his horse would be dominant in this race, which is very unusual for him to ever make a statement like that. Um, the mile and an eighth, and how it will play into jockey strategy. The mile and eighth, and how it will play into the uh, into the race. Well, you have that massively long back stretch. Horses are breaking as far back on the chute on the backstretch of Belmont as they possibly can. Years ago, of course, there was a legendary chute uh, going all the way back for a mile and a quarter. This that, is a one. People should realize if they understand the, the idea. This is a, and explain this to them, Brad. This is a one-turn mile and eighth race. Exactly. So it's going to help big, long-striding horses who do not navigate turns very well because now you only have one of them, and that. One single turn is extremely forgiving. So the nimble little athletes that you can see thriving at Gulfstream during the winter where the turns are very tight, where the mile of the 16th races start right up on the first turn, where the mile of the 16th races are over seemingly three strides after they turn into the stretch, this is a completely different type of race. There's virtually no turn. There's long straightaways. Power grinders who can sustain gallops are the horses who drive at Belmont. The other thing uh, which we were alluding to, that long backstretch expanse, additionally, that can cause a lot of horses and a lot of jockeys to kind of get lost in space. Because if you're unfamiliar riding Belmont, you don't quite realize how far you have to go on that backstretch before you get to the turn. And when you get to the turn, it's so long, there's still tons of race to go. Uh, A lot of riders who aren't riding a Belmont all the time, get fooled by that. They move way too quick. Yeah, way too quick. In fact, one thing, a fun thing to do is when we're on a normal schedule, hopefully soon, and and racing moves from Aqueduct to Belmont for the first time, even the New York jockeys on opening day, opening first few days at Belmont, you'll see them moving too early when they're back at Belmont because they're just so used to Aqueduct. But horses at the same time, if you have a horse that might be a little bit of a rank actor at times. Having to run in that long, open, wide area on the backstretch of Belmont, that can bring forth that rankness. Horses don't like open space. That can bother some of them, the ones that are quirkier. Uh, And sometimes in two-turn races, that first turn will calm down an unsettled horse will allow a jockey to gain control. Just the centripetal force of taking that turn will get a horse who isn't relaxing to relax a little bit and help the jockey help the horse to relax. So you're wide open. There's no room for forgiveness at Belmont on the backstretch. And that comes back to tis the law a little bit because sometimes he has been on the edge of, of losing it a little bit, of being a little bit rank, a little bit hard to control. And now he's coming into the Belmont off a significant layoff, and he's working like crazy. I know the last workout was slow by Barkley Tag Sanders, and I think that was deliberate to try yep. to get him 
to calm down and settle. But I still think that wide open area on the backstretch of Belmont for this horse being so fresh, that could be a problem. If you see him throwing his head on the backstretch and not really being responsive to Manny Franco, and he wasn't that responsive to Franco on the race two back off a layoff at Gulfstream, off a shorter layoff, uh, that could be problematical. That could make him a little bit vulnerable. All right, let's start with the uh, horse in the number one position. Uh, classic owner, classic trainer, a trainer you like a lot, and Marcassi, tap it to win. Mike, uh, he was the only inside all the way winner uh, out of seven dirt races at Saratoga on Traverse Day last year. That was his dirt debut. When he stretched out after that, he was unprofessional at times. He just he he just wasn't there mentally. Uh, this year, though, at three, he's been mentally more mature. He's been an improved horse. Last time at Belmont, he ran against a really good A of that field. The runner-up mystic guy is a dolphin horse who's really good, one to watch in the second half of the year. Country Grammar, the third-place finisher, uh, was fifth in the Fountain of Youth in his previous start and once longer than a mile in the 16th. And Tappet, the wins pace rival, was the second choice on the race at Chad Brown, recent sharp maiden winner. Tappet to win, put that one away. Bottom of the field, setting very fast fractions, uh, legitimately fast fractions. He held sharply. Now he's third off a layoff. He's a hot horse, uh, has a big recent win over the track. The only horse in this race to say that about. There's enough pedigree for him to get nine furlongs under the right circumstance. I don't mind the quick turnaround of 16 days. Uh, yeah, this is a different kind of Belmont. But quick turnarounds have a good history in the Belmont Stakes. Look at Conquistos, Dielo, and Arts and Letters off the legendary Metropolitan to Belmont turnaround. And even Temperance Hill, a big upsetter, uh, ran a mile and three eighths on turf. On the grass, and ran, ran a very good race and came back and won at $108. Absolutely. So quick turnarounds, uh, maybe it's not always the move of the modern trainer, but... Mark Cassie, he's not a modern trainer. There's a lot of old school in him. Yeah, he likes to run his horses. Yes, thank goodness. Uh, racing secretaries uh, really love him, and uh, horse players do too. Uh, Tappet to win only has to beat a grade three field here, uh, except for Tis the Law. I think he's really dangerous early speed, Mike. Uh, a key to his chances is going to be how four left is ridden, the other speed horse in, in this race, and how good four left is. I, I have some overall questions about Tappet to win's quality, but I'm really going to be watching the Belmont Dirt on Saturday to see if speed is really, really good, because if it is, this horse does have a chance. He doesn't have to beat a whole lot. All right, Solo Volante. He's a deep rallier with a big-time turn of foot, and he has the athleticism and the courage to rally inside and inside out, and that's important. He's an off-the-pace horse who doesn't have to be doing a four-wide. He can save some ground. He's by Karen Conte, uh, the Breeders' Cup mile winner, big upsetter a few years back, uh, came from way off the pace like Sol Volante, uh, had big-time acceleration. But what I really love about this horse, Mike, is his damn side, and I'm going to go back old school because I know you love old school pedigrees. Sol Volante's third dam is a Prince Willow Line mare named Trick Chick. She produced On the Sly, who was a jockey club. On the Sly, oh yeah, wonderful horse, yeah, Mel Gross. Absolutely. Uh, And in addition, Trick Chick herself is a half-sister of a filly named White Star Line, who cost $3 million in the 1970s as a yearling, $3 million in the 1970s. She was by Northern Dancer, 
out of this Prince Quilla line there, she was tiny. But she had an explosive, one of the most explosive turns of foot I ever saw on a dirt horse. She would come from 22 lengths out of it in distance races and just sustain a run where she would pass gain the 22 lengths in what seemed like eight seconds and pull away. And she won the Kentucky Oaks at three. She cut back, and horses can cut back. you got to be really good to do it, and it's a test of championship quality, and isn't that what we're all about here in this game at the grade one level? She cut back to win the test at seven furlongs at Saratoga, and then she came back win the Alabama at a mile of quarter. So Sol Volante is getting this deep closing style and this big-time acceleration from both sides of his pedigree. This is his ninth furlong debut. He's a quick returner, too. He comes back in 10 days, second off a 95-day break. The mile race last time at Goldstream was around one turn. I like him carrying the 125 pounds in that race. He was pace-helped. Uh, the front runners really killed each other off. But he needed the race. He has been trained specifically to move forward off of it. His best races, though, have been when he benefits from the aggressive pace scenario. Uh, in the uh, David at, uh, at the, at Davis at Tampa Bay, two back, but three back, he was pace and trip set up very nicely. In the Tampa Bay Derby, though, he got no pace. That showed his vulnerability. King Guillermo, who won that race at a big price, is really good, though. He's probably in the top five or six right now in the three-year-old division. Uh, but Sol Volante was no match for him. That's his vulnerability when the pace is not fast. He's also been status, static speed figure-wise, hasn't really moved forward, has never beaten a good horse routing either in his career. I think he might actually ultimately be better on turf. And I just questioned his upside at this distance. Plenty of stamina on the damn side. A miler on the sire side, uh, sire's sire's a miler as well. Uh, he might be hard to keep out of the trifecta because he's just so sharp, but I, I see this horse as maybe not being quite as good in the second half of the year as in the first half. Max Player. This horse has the talent to be a player at some point during the season. Uh, he's big and strong. He's long-striding. Uh, he's raced greenly, though, throughout his career. Indeed, he has trained greenly throughout his career. His best races, though, are ahead of him if he's able to continue on. Uh, he's absolutely made the order for the sweeping expanse of Belmont Park. The one turn is a huge advantage for him. He does not turn well. He loses ground on turns. One less turn to deal with, uh, a more forgiving turn where maybe he doesn't have to go so wide. All are going to help him. But he's always going to be wide because he hates dirt in his face. So that's, that, 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 that's a problem. He cannot part in and out like Sol Volante. And a mile and an eighth would be a little bit short for him as well against this level of competition. He was pace eight of winning a nine furlongs in the Withers, but that was a very soft field. He still was disdainfully very wide, and you could just see how he finished in that race that he wants to run long. He raced to be a mile and a half. The four-and-a-half-month layoff, uh, he needed to be running. Uh, he, this is a horse that needed seasoning, that needed foundation. So I'm not in love with that. But he has been drilling long and well for his return. Uh, he probably continues to need to compete to fully develop. But the more I look at this horse, the more I watch his races, the more I really like his talent. It's probably too soon for him and too short. But I think this is a horse who really can outrun his odds and get something in this race. Modernist. Has plenty of nine furlong pedigree on his damn side. Uh, he has three 
true distance races at Foundation as well. Uh, those things are, are big positives. I think the 91-day layoff for a, a Hall of Fame trainer, Bill Mott, is a borderline positive as well for a modern-day three-year-old, especially with paired-up speed figures. Uh, when three-year-olds move forward with uh, speed figures that are comparable and it's their best races, uh, certainly at this time of year they're expected to continue to move forward from those two efforts. Uh, two back, uh, he was pace-aided in the softer division of the Risen Star Stakes at the fairgrounds. He beat New York traffic in that race, who subsequently was second to Maxfield, maybe the best horse in the division at the time, uh, in the win at Churchill. And he beat Pneumatic, did uh, uh, New York traffic, uh, one of Modernist's rivals in this race. Uh, last time Modernist was hung too wide, in the 14th post in the Louisiana Derby. Uh, he was behind a couple of very average speeds in Wells Bayou and New York traffic to control the pace. Uh, his, his trip was impossible, but it was only an okay effort, and I think it really showed his tactical limitations in that race. He wants to be close to the pace, if not on the lead. He doesn't want to have to pass more than one horse. He's a one-pace kind of horse, though. Uh, doesn't have any acceleration, uh, but doesn't want to doesn't have the ability to accelerate and sustain it to pass a lot of horses either. So that, to me, makes him a little bit limited. Uh, he's going to get a quicker pace here than he's comfortable with. He's not going to get that trip that he used to win the Risen Star with. He's going to have to pass a few horses. He's going to have to accelerate. I think that combination throws him off his game. I, I respect his connections. I respect the way he's coming into this race, but I don't think the race shape here is going to suit him. Farmington Road. He has some stamina in his pedigree as well, being by Quality Road. Uh, and he also is a horse with three consecutive quality races of nine furlong foundation, uh, bolstering him uh, for this race. And I think that's, that's a good combination. Uh, three back here in a genuinely big finishing split in the much stronger division of the Risen Star. That was a good race. He really was moving really well late in that race. And I, I thought he was a real up-and-comer when I saw that. Two pack. He got plenty of pace help on a wet seal track uh, at Oaklawn in the Oaklawn Stakes. He adored that wet seal track. He's by Quality Road. We know how they feel about wet surfaces. Uh, he had blinkers on in that race, uh, but he was just too wide from the 12 post to be able to, to get up. And that was probably a forward move, uh, even off the fairgrounds race. So you're kind of thinking this horse is ready to explode. Last time, though, he did not finish especially well. I did not like the way he failed to punch through to the wire. Uh, he was running, though, on relatively short rest in that race, uh, in that division of the Arkansas Derby. Uh, and he finished behind Nadal, who was about the best in the division at the time, and that aforementioned King Guillermo, who was very good. And they controlled the pace race, the race pace-wise. So that race is a little bit ambiguous to me. Uh, I still would have liked to have seen him finish better. He has better rest here, 49 days, uh, and he improved and much sharper than normal workouts. I think are a positive tell as well. Uh, I could see him running better, uh, but he's just a totally one-dimensional deep closer. He lacks an explosive product, but he's always doing his best running, even in that race with the fairgrounds that caught my eye. His best running came after the race was over. Uh, he needs a pace meltdown. He's going to have to really step way up to win this race. I can see him un underneath, maybe not even second, maybe third or fourth, but I, I just don't think he's good enough at a mile and an eighth. 
All right, four left in Jungle Runner. Let's get through them pretty quick and then get to Tis Law. Go ahead. Four left, one at Belmont last year in June, was benefited by a strong bias and was going five and a half. King class up for distance later in the year, uh, was well tra- trained and well spotted, winning a big money race in the UAE, going a one turn mile off a two month layoff last time out. Uh, that was shrewd management. Uh, he's supposedly doing really well. But he has to stretch out here all the way to nine furlongs off a four-and-a-half-month layoff. All four of his wins have come when he controlled the pace scenario. I don't see him taking away uh, Tappet to win and holding on at a mile and eight. So he's not a factor to me other than being a key pace performer. How good he is in this race, how aggressively he's ridden, will play a decisive role in the outcome here. Uh, if you like a closer, you want him to send for his life. You like one of the speed horses. You hope maybe his connections say, let's try to finish third or fourth and, you know, sit off top at the quid and see if we can hold on for something. The seven jungle runner has no business being in this race. He's never has beaten a good horse. He's never run a speed figure good enough to even win a two-year-old maiden race at a major track. I don't know why he's here. Uh, Tis the Law has never lost on a fast track. He's the only grade one winner in the race. He has been an impressive horse. Uh, why should he not be just overwhelmingly the horse in this race? Well, he really does look like the right horse in the right race at the right distance. He's well posted outside the speed, but inside two possibly key rivals of his who are middle movers like himself and who he probably needs to get first run on. So I think he's in a good place. I agree that this is his race to lose. But the unlesses are, unless his development has stalled in the last 84 days since he last competed. And what I'll say in that regard... Do you have anything that you don't like? Do the works uh, bother you? Do anything, does anything bother you about this horse? Uh, the, the one thing, even though his pedigree says on both sides that he's probably going to get better with age, that as good as he was at two, he should continue to develop I thought he was so precocious, so flashy, and so forward at age two. And you were on him from the very beginning when he brought I thought he was incredible the first time I saw him. Incredible, yes. He, he was. And with all those things there, I always had the gut impression that this horse is just there right now, and there's just not going to be that much more, and the others are going to catch up to him. And despite the pedigree, that was my gut impression. Sometimes it's right, sometimes it's wrong. Do you think he's not improving? Is that your deal? Do you think he's not improving? Uh, I have, I've seen a little bit better professionalism, but the speed figures are not getting better. Now, he hasn't run for 84 days. Maybe if he had, they would have just spurred it forward. Maybe they would have exploded. But he did not run. And what we've seen before that was a horse that basically ran what he would be expected to run as a newly turned three-year-old. Uh, so... Yeah, I mean, he's run faster speed figure-wise than anybody else in here, and he did it twice, and one of them was that. Where do you want him in the race? Where do you want, how far you want him off the pace? How many horses back you want him? How many lanes back you want him? I, I, I want him third behind, tap it to win, and four left. Uh, depending on how fast they're going, I could see him three or four lengths off of them. I could see him a length and a half off them if they really manage to slow it down. And I think Do you think he grinds or he explodes in this race? I think if they go if they're going fast he explodes. If they're able to slow it down to like twenty three and change 
46 and 4 or in the 47s. If they do something like that, I think he's going to grind. Uh, the difference between the Holy Ball, his win two back, and the Florida Derby, his win last time, was in the fast pace in the Holy Ball, he really accelerated pretty strongly. In the uh, slower pace Florida Derby, he had to work a lot harder to really gain contention into the stretch. And it was in the last eighth of a mile that his superiority, his dominance, if you will, uh, really, really came through. And probably his prowess at the distance. But here's uh, what I hear, Brad. The, the guys, this horse should lay over this field like crazy, but everyone in, who in racing thinks that he is not that good. And I, I'm not sure they're right yet. I think they might... I think they might be surprised tomorrow, or maybe I'm wrong. I would think he's very explosive tomorrow and runs a huge race, uh, but a lot of people are down on him. They really are. I'm, I'm not down on him. I just, I just think there's some vulnerability there. And I mentioned my gut impression that he was just really, really forward. And even though he's gotten better this year, he didn't explode. Uh, my other thing is the 84-day layoff and the fact that I've seen signs that this horse can be a little quirky in his races, and I think the Belmont backstretch, the long Belmont backstretch, and that layoff and that fresh just could bring that out. The other thing that's more concrete, and this is my final point on this, is in all of his signature distance race wins, the Champagne, the Holy Bowl, the Florida Derby, he beat sprinters, green light go in the Champagne, and Indian, who might be a mile or a best in the Holy Bowl, Chivalry in the Florida Derby. He has never beaten a good root horse. Now, right. there may he has really never beaten a good horse. Probably so. But there's better horses here. Maybe. Now, Is there a good horse in this race other than him, though? That's well. That's the question, and that's and. I'm not. I'm not entirely certain about that. If there's another great one horse, so he run. might win this race and not be anything special. Is your point? Absolutely. So I would say to the converse of maybe of knocking him, say he wins this race, really visually striking. I would say don't put all that much stock in it because if that's the case, chances are this field isn't that good, and what he might be running against later on in the year could be substantially better. Let's pay um, off the outside horses for a second. Doctor Post pneumatic. Uh, how about Doctor Post? It is Pletcher. It is a well-bred animal. How about Dr. Post? I think this is one of the ones that could be a grade one horse. Uh, expensive yearling, as you said, has shown mental and physical, physical maturity at three. Uh, he was clear of dirt kickback when he broke his maiden. That was an average field, uh, but he still lost a lot of ground. He earned a good figure. Some people question how good the figure really was, but a few points here or there don't bother me at all. He ran well. Last out, he stretched out off a relatively quick turnaround, second off a layoff, while also stepping up significantly into stakes company. It was a moderate stakes field, but those horses were much more seasoned. Don't underestimate the combination of the quick turnaround, second off a layoff, the step up in class, and the stretch out. A lot of hurdles there. He also had hurdles in the race. He was in some traffic amongst horses. He was bumped and jostled around. Uh, he could have given up. He could have been chicken. He wasn't. He gamely surged late. He beat a horse who had been doing okay against good company. He gained a world of seasoning and experience in that race. Uh, now he has great rest, 56 days, and Pletcher is all about rest and building up the big races. 
He's third off a layoff for the bounce back try from a speed figure standpoint. Nine furlongs should be fine pedigree-wise, style-wise as well. He's very, very tactical, has good speed, but he grinds. Nate for the distance, Nate for Belmont Park. Uh, he's posted to avoid traffic. He's training well. I think this horse has a ton of upside. To me, he really needs to avoid being too wide. You want him to be clear, but a lot of horses with a similar style, he could be just a bit too wide. That's what I worry about. With and what about pneumatic? Anything? Uh, he has tons upside, too. Two-term pedigree on both sides. Uh, he won a key race in his debut at six strongs, aided by a strong bias. He was taught to rate when he stretched out, stepping up against winners. Uh, beat a horse, Captain Bombastic, a good New York writer, won the lead at Belmont last week. That was a good effort. He got seasoning. He needed He battled against type on the lead in the win at Churchill against New York traffic, a more seasoned horse. He raced against a significant bias against speed that day at Churchill. The race was won by Maxfield, and not that decisively as well. Maxfield may have been the best horse in this division before he got hurt. Uh, I still, even running against the bias, would have liked to have seen Pneumatic, though, be closer to the very average New York traffic at the end of that race. He has continued to work well. I know Aspison, Steve Aspison, his trainer, likes him, and that's a positive. But I don't love the quick 28-day turnaround for him, the stretch to a mile and eight, or the extreme outside draw for him. Yes, it might give him tactical options, but I think those options are going to be maybe moving too early and or too wide. I don't like his position outside horses with comparable styles. All right, you're going to try and beat him. I know that. So how are you going to try and beat him? Well, what I'm going to look at is... Dr. Post, who I think at uh, five to one or better odds is going to be a horse whose who's return on investment is going to be significantly greater than his chances of winning. I think he has a, maybe a one in four chance of winning. Uh, Tis the law, certainly the likeliest winner by far. I'm going to pay attention to how the track plays as well. If there's a super speed saving track, I think Papa to win has a live shot. Seven to one might be relatively or literal fair odds for him. I like more than that. I don't think you're going to get it though. His speed figure last out was too good. If it's a closer's track, I don't think it will be. But if it is, I'm going to take a look at Max Player certainly to get involved in the exotics. Uh, I'm going to need at least twelve to one. I think he'll be that. Fifteen to one would be even better. I think there's a shot he's that or more. He's probably not good enough. He probably needs longer. But this horse has talent, and with the right race shape, has a chance to get involved. Uh, I'll probably play Dr. Post to win. Uh, the odds on those other two might make it viable to use them as savers to some extent. Uh, I might play some exactors of Tis the Law over Dr. Post, uh, over Tap at the Win, uh, over Max Player, uh, especially over Max Player, because that's where the value is. The exactors with Dr. Post and Tap at the Win could be 10 11 to $12.00. You're better off probably not even playing them because it's just not enough risk reward. I'll probably play a small exactor, a Dr. Post and Max Player, uh, just hoping that those two can get there at big prices. I think that will provide good risk reward. I'm not going to be messing around the trifectas uh, with his the law on top of uh, those other horses because I just think this it's too wide open for third. I might play around, though, with this type of a triple fight, using double keys of Max Player and Tis the Law, with the idea that Max Player might be the value, Tis the Law, 
very, very hard to keep out of the trifecta. Double key them. And then in the third slot, with Dr. Post, Tappet to win, Saul Volante, Farmington Road, uh, Pneumatic, and Modernist. And maybe play a little bit more with his law on top in that trifecta and just try to get Max Player involved with some of the obvious horses and use his law as a free square. But it's going to be hard to get real value out of this race. It might ultimately be just playing one horse to win. Thanks, Brad, very much. Appreciate the hour. Thank you. We'll talk soon. My pleasure. Be well. Thank guys. you, Brad. Brad Thomas, uh, back after this. All right. Uh, Casamigos Tequila, as always, it brings you the program, brought to you by those who drink it. Enjoy the racing tomorrow for those of you who care about such things. And, you know, listen, you haven't had much to... Uh, you know, get involved with, so maybe you have some fun with that tomorrow. For me, listen, I saw Tis the Law break his maiden last August at Saratoga. I was incredibly impressed by him. I thought he was a star when I saw him come across the finish line that day. I was at the track. He did it right in front of me. Uh, I have followed him since then. I think he wins big tomorrow. I think uh, Tag is ready. I think he's going to... I don't know if he's a great horse yet, but I think that's a, a soft field, and I will be personally looking for a very long shot as he fractures the field. And then I'll play somebody who's really long. I don't know who's going to be long, though, because it could be anybody behind him. So, But I think he wins and wins uh, significantly tomorrow. I'd be very surprised if he doesn't. Uh, I, I think he'll come up with a, a very big race tomorrow, and I think he is the only legitimate star in in that race. You know, later on, maybe someone else, but right now I think it belongs to the law uh, tomorrow. 7 o'clock, uh, JJ coming up tonight. A lot of craziness going on. Be safe this weekend. Enjoy. Happy Father's Day to everybody out there. Uh, And enjoy this holiday weekend update. And then, JJ, we'll see you on Monday. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t